This Bee Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. Loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. Yeah, IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights. Strengthen daily instruction, close knowledge gaps quickly, and set every student up for success. Want to bring IXL to your school? Learn more at IXL.com forward slash B. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for FlexBlocks. Win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Yeah, make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com slash BE. Hi, and welcome to EduTech Guys Radio. This is EduTechGuysRadio.com, the radio.edutechguys.com. Today, uh, we're glad to be here. Um, first off, I'd like to, uh, I'd like to uh, introduce our special guest. Greg is an EduTech guy. He's just not been on the radio yet. We've been keeping him in a closet. He's working on all the secret stuff. But uh, today, um, David Henderson is on vacation today. I, ho- I hope David's out there listening. I'm pretty sure he probably is. Hey, David, hope you're having a great vacation. We can't wait till you get back. Um, uh, but today, uh, Greg Moore's here. Greg, welcome to the show. Uh, it's good to be here. Greg is my uh, system admin here at Hope Public Schools. And um, 
probably the smartest person I know on the face of the planet. He lies. Except for my wife. I have to put that out there because she'd kill me if I didn't say that. So, um, uh, don't want to get myself in trouble. Hey, we have a pretty exciting show today. Um, uh, like I said, David Henderson's on vacation. Uh, David is uh, the other co-host that's usually here. He's the tech coordinator at the Southwest Arkansas Educational Cooperative in Hope, Arkansas. Greg Moore and myself, Jeff Madlock, we work for the tech department here at Hope Public Schools in Hope, Arkansas. One thing that's really interesting is is that right now, today, I believe ISTE's wrapping up. Um, I think this might be the last day of the ISTE convention, or, or tomorrow, but I'm, I noticed that on the Twitter, the Twitter feed's slowing down. I think there's only been 800,000 tweets today, so it's down from 12 billion yesterday. So slow, so yeah. <laughs> The tweets are coming in so fast you can't read them. It's almost like they're blurry. But, um, you know, it's funny, ISTE, um, a lot of us talk about ISTE all the time. The ISTE convention is a really big, you know, a really big deal. Um, if you don't know about ISTE, I-S-T-E, it's the International Society for Technology and Education. Um, they are the premier nonprofit organization serving educators and education leaders uh, committed to, you know, technology and education. What's really interesting about them is, is that uh, they create, they, they, they uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They're the creator and steward of the definitive education technology standards. And that's true. Um, those of you in technology remember when we referred to it as NETS, um, but it's now the ISTE standards, which you know are out there for our teachers, the standards for us to strive towards. Um, also, is their big conference and expo this year? It's in Philadelphia. Philadelphia, good old Philadelphia. Good old Philly. And um, what's interesting is it attracts uh, it, about eighteen thousand educators from all over the world. And this year has been a really interesting one. They've had a lot of great stuff. I, I think most people go there to get kind of rejuvenated about tech and to get inspired and you know, to see what's going on out there and what they can in integrate in their class. A, a lot of teachers go. Um, so it's a lot of educators, um, not mo mostly, not a lot of tech guys. But um, what's really great is um, I, yesterday I had the opportunity to uh, talk with Will Richardson, uh, who was a keynote speaker on Tuesday. Um, and Will is the, uh, the, his new book is called um, The Making of a Master Teacher to a Master Learner, uh, From Master Teacher to Master Learner. Uh, he's got some really great stuff, and uh, what's really great about it is I had a great interview with him, and um, so we're going to cut to that really quick, and I'll play you that interview so that you can uh, get to know Will Richardson and find out about him. Uh, there will be some links uh, in the interview so you can find out where he is, and we'll, we'll drop those links to you when we come back from that interview also. So um, sit back and relax. Uh, here is the interview with Will, Will Richardson. Great, you're listening to EduTech Guys Radio. Uh, today, uh, we have Will Richardson uh, here for an interview. We're glad to have you. Uh, I'll let you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure, well, thanks for having me on today. I'm uh, coming to you live from the ISTE conference in Philly uh, right now, where it's pouring outside, actually, and a whole bunch of people are trying to stay dry inside. But... <laughs> Um, basically, uh, I was a public school educator for 22 years, taught high school English for 18, and then was a technology administrator for three. Um, started blogging back in 2001, and that kind of kick-started a little bit of a different career for me as I stepped out about nine years ago to do speaking and consulting and writing books. I just published my fifth book. And I'm a parent of two teenagers, which gives me kind of an interesting lens on this whole conversation around how technology changes learning. So what I've been doing for the past few years is just trying to go around and push people's thinking and challenge kind of the status quo, traditional way we, we think about things in schools and try to make people just a little bit mad at me. So <laughs> they go home and, and uh, maybe consider their, their practice and, and uh, you know, what they're doing in schools in light of how things have changed. Yeah. 
You know, it's funny you say that. Uh, I, I find that aggravating people gets the most you know <laughs> out of them sometimes. <laughs> you have to be careful how you do it, though, right? You don't want to you want to push them to the ledge, but not over the ledge. Well, you, you <laughs> so. know, I, I think when they realize that they're talking to an intellectual person, they're having an intellectual debate, then it's not so bad. You know, it it, it gets their, it gets their juices flowing, but they're not too you know they're not too worked up. But <laughs> well, I, you know, I think it it, it works at ISTE um, because so much of what you see here is about tools and about you know apps and kind of very. Uh, either simplistic or conservative uses of technology in schools. So I think there's a, a certain number of people that really gravitate to those larger conversations, to you know the bigger questions around what happens now that kids are carrying access in their pockets and yeah. they can learn just about anything they want whenever they want to. You know, um, It's a difficult conversation for a lot of people, but I think more and more people are ready for it. You know, I think you're exactly right. Um, I was a band director for 15 years. Um, and it's interesting, back in the day, I started learning jazz at a little school here in Arkansas. And there's not a lot of jazz in Arkansas. <laughs> right. I, I look at kids today, um, I have a lot of kids that still take lessons and things like that. And I, and I tell them, you know, hit Google, hit YouTube. I mean, you know, we had to find a record and we had to play a record to, to learn how to, to play Miles Davis or to play, uh, you know, Wynton Marsalis or any of that. And it's right. funny, I watched your uh, 2011 uh, TED Talk about your daughter learning the journey piece. and. Yeah. Yeah, it's just that, and it's. I think the sad part of that was, and you might agree with me here, is that that was 2011, and we still haven't gotten that point across to most of our educators. No, I know it's still uh, a very uh, well. I I think that it's just changing, and it has changed fairly quickly. And I, I just think schools in general are are uh, somewhat slow, and um, and in some ways just don't keep up. You know, I mean, it, it's more that. Um, uh, the the bigger shifts, again, while I think we feel them in our own personal lives, we don't make that connection to our practice and to, uh, you know, the kind of the structures and the systems that we use in schools. So um, I'm not shocked that it's taking as long as it's taking, but uh, I'm a little bit uh, optimistic, more optimistic these days, because like I said, I think that there are a growing number of people who are, are now ready for the conversation. They're, they're kind of over the tools piece. And, and now they're going, well, yeah, we really have to, we have to have different, different questions and different answers for what we do. Yeah. So uh, I noticed that you had posted two questions um, for your presentation today, I believe. Um, right. One was uh, what new tech make you think will make the biggest impact in the next 10 years. So right. w was there a commonality among the answer to that? Yeah, there really wasn't. Um, it was kind of all over the map. I think that uh, a lot of people are looking at, um, you know, artificial intelligence, adaptive learning types of technologies, um, wearable devices, the Internet of Things, you know, all those types of things certainly are going to have an impact. But really what I tried to do in my session today is is uh, bring the focus back to, you know, how does learning happen, first of all, and then um, how can technology, no matter what it is, whether it's all those things or whether it's just um, Skype or whether it's Google Docs or whatever, um, how can technology really amplify good learning? Uh, I think too often, and I said this yesterday, we had another panel session that was pretty interesting <laughs> where the, the title of the panel was, is it time for schools to give up on computers? And um, we, we were trying to provoke a very, you know, kind of different conversation around that. And I said in that panel, I said, um, you know, I think we've lost the conversation around learning. It's now a conversation around technology, and it can't be that because um, technology without real deep, clear vision around learning really doesn't do much. You know, exactly. it just kind of it just kind of maintains the status quo and it digitizes all the worksheets and you know puts the books into a Kindle and whatever else. But it doesn't fundamentally uh, 
shift agency to kids. It doesn't give them more power, more choice to follow their own questions, what they find meaningful and relevant in life. And, uh, and we all know that those are absolute conditions for learning. So, um, you know, that's kind of where the conversation is. That's pretty cool. I, I wrote a blog post yesterday um, about ISTE. I, I've never been to ISTE. That's really sad. I should say that. I, <laughs> I, I've actually never been. But, you know, I find most people go there to, to get excited, you know, to get that, you know, that, re, that, that little yep. piece of juice that they need or to find that silver bullet. For, for years, I've noticed that most administrators in most school districts are looking for a silver bullet. Right. They're they're looking for that one thing, uh, you know, instruction or whatever it's going to be, that suddenly is going to make every child increase their test scores by thirty percent. And they they get mad at me here in principal meetings because I always tell them, let's pick three things that the kids want to do and do it well, right. and then we'll move forward. Um, but part of the blog that I wrote was about talent, and I, I don't mean musical talent. I mean talent. Uh, everyone has a talent. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it's finding that talent. Uh, I took theory from the from Francis Macbeth, the band composer, and he used to start freshman theory, and to, with a hundred kids, and end up in sophomore theory with ten. And he would always tell the kids, "Kids, somebody's got to flip the patties." <laughs> so, <laughs> nice. But yeah, you know, nice. I don't think we have to say that anymore. But no. it's so funny that we're for that longest time, everyone was supposed to be a rocket scientist, and we, I think more schools are still stuck in that rut. And they think that they have to buy these apps and, you know, one thing after another to make every child a, a rocket scientist. And I, I think there's a big divide. Most of our teachers in the schools that we work with are scared to death of allowing the students to lead the project. And I, I feel like that's probably what you run into at ISTE. I, I, I don't know, but I feel like a lot of the teachers that come there are, are looking for a silver bullet. Would I be correct in thinking that? Well, I, I think there's... There is a silver bullet if you want to raise test scores. I mean, increasingly, there's adaptive software that you can plop a kid down in front of a computer, and that computer will take them through the curriculum, uh, him or her through the curriculum, and remediate, and, you know, um, just based on what they're answering and how they're answering, it will give them the next question that they need, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, if the goal is to get a good math score or to, uh, you know, write a good essay, I think that there is stuff that can serve as that magic bullet if that's what you want. But... Obviously, I don't think that's what we want. Um, we want kids to learn math, and we want kids to learn how to write, obviously, but we'd rather have them do that in the context of doing something that they actually are invested in. Right. And for that, there's no magic bullet. Um, that's That simply, again, requires that we bring a different stance as practitioners into the classroom, and that stance is more about learning than it is about teaching. And um, I mean, it's, that's the latest book that I wrote, From Master Teacher to Master Learner. It's about changing the way we think about ourselves away from content experts and um, you know pedagogy experts more toward learning experts so that we can uh, develop those dispositions in kids, those literacies, those skills that, uh, given the world we have right now, which is, you know, access to just about every piece of information that you can possibly um, think of, access to three billion people, access to millions of apps. I mean, if kids aren't learners in that environment, they're, they're not going to be successful. And it doesn't matter how much they know. Um, what really matters is can they make sense of it and can they continually learn? And if we're not doing that, then it's going to be hard for us to help them with that. So, um, yeah, again, I, I think there is no magic bullet but um, or silver bullet, but, but there's definitely 
a different way that we can think about what happens in classrooms. And, and that gets us further down the road than anything else, I think. You know, it's funny because I, I think you tweeted about uh, Seymour, uh, is it Papert Paper? I think there's one of his quotes that I think I had on my wall here at one time about uh, every time you teach something, you deprive a student of the benefit of discovery. I think that was what one of his one of his yeah, great quotes. Yeah. I don't know. So um, modern, uh, your, your other website. So there's your website, which I want to do a shout out for. It's willrichardson.com. Um, uh, that's yep. a great website. So uh, any of the listeners listening in, you want to check out Will Richardson's website, willrichardson.com. And then the other website, uh, which is modernlearners.com, which right. uh, tell us a little bit about modernlearners.com. Well, Modern Learners is a, a site that um, curates a lot of the uh, information, articles, um, you know, whatever, multimedia, whatever, from uh, each week and kind of packages into a newsletter form so that people who are subscribing can have a little bit of a digest of things to read every week. I think one of the um, big uh, concerns that I have is that uh, I'm not sure how well we keep up, you know, and I, I get why not. I mean, it takes a lot of time. Uh, we're already time stressed. We've got millions of things to do already, but it's really important. You know, I make the point, you wouldn't want a, a physician um, treating you that isn't keeping up <laughs> on medicine. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's the same thing in teaching. I mean, why would, why would I want a, my kid to have a teacher that hasn't kept up on what's happening and what's changed in the world with technology or whatever else? So we're trying to do that, but then we're also... Um, we're also posting a couple things a week um, in long form that uh, are meant to be thought pieces, are meant to push people's thinking and to work on that context, um, work on that uh, reframing of what it means to teach and learn and what a, the role of the school is in the world as it stands right now. So, um, yeah, so it's a free newsletter and um, basically people can just sign up on the site and uh, we... Uh, yeah, we're, we're uh, um, going to re kind of relaunch it in the fall as a, a subscription model, but for now it's all free. It's free. Well, so definitely sign up for free. I mean, that's awesome. Um, <laughs> I, and I'll throw this out there for all those listening. Um, use Feedly. Um, that's a great way to keep up with some great blogs that are out there and some websites uh, doing exactly what you guys are doing uh, so you can keep up with what's happening on you know, in the world of tech and education. So... Um, Top two, top five disruptive elements to move education forward with the use of technology. Do you have a, a list? I know I'm throwing that out there and you decide, you're like, hey, don't yeah. give it to me. But I, Yeah, I mean, I don't know that I have a list. I mean, it's, it is a, it's, it's understanding that when you give kids access, then you are really giving them at least the opportunity to take a lot more control over their own learning. Um, to self-organize it, to choose the direction that they go in, to choose their own resources, choose their own teachers. And that's really, I think, the opportunity of having access. I, all too often in schools, however, that opportunity is never realized because we don't, we give kids a tool, but then we restrict the way that they use their access. Yeah. Um, we make it more about content delivery. We make it more about, again, digital worksheets, all that type of stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, it really is about, you know, I, I say that if you want to transform your classroom, um, you can do that without any technology at all. It, it basically starts with looking at kids and saying, okay, you take control, you take the reins, um, because you're going to have to be able to learn 
constantly, deeply, powerfully, collaboratively, all those other um, adverbs in there um, in your lives. And uh, you need to be practicing that with me as a teacher. You need to be practicing that in the classroom, not practicing how well you remember the state capitals or whether you know what a gerund is, <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know whether or not you can use the resources that you have to learn. And so um, I think that's, that's the first step and the biggest step, and I think everything else kind of follows from that. We're not right here, I want to throw out uh, on Amazon right now, uh, you can get your book, From Master Teacher to Master Learner. Um, I think there's a Kindle edition, is that correct? And in paperback? Uh, Kindle and paperback, yep. That's awesome. Uh, I want to grab it because, the, I mean, it looks wonderful. I mean, I think that's the perfect book to grab. So, in fact, I used the one click and I put it on my Kindle. So now I'll read it and find out yeah. even more great stuff. I want to throw that out because – oh, go ahead. No, the good news is you could probably read it by the time our interview is over. All right. <laughs> It's, it's it purpose purposely it's it's uh, about seventy five pages and um, so it's uh, you know about a two or three hour read at the most. That's perfect. Um, yeah, so it's good for a summer afternoon or if you're on a plane or whatever else. But uh, appreciate you appreciate you letting your audience know about it. Yeah, I want to let that shout out. Um, a couple more things before I let you go. You know, it's really interesting. Um, one of our biggest we uh, in Hope Public Schools in Hope, Arkansas, uh, every child has an iPad. Um, we have, it's funny being in tech, you've been in tech, you've been in teaching in tech a long time. This is my 23rd year. And back in the day of, of a lot of windows and things like that, the, the whole concept was to lock everything down as, as tight as you could get it. And then to hand out the morsels. And, um, as my staff is much younger than I am now, <laughs> we've, uh, we, we approach it a, a lot differently. You know, we, everything's wide open, not everything, but you know, SIPA compliant. Right. Everything's wide open. And that's been the hardest thing for our teachers to actually grasp. Now, the kids um, blow us away in the tech department. Now, we're just the wires and pliers and keeping everything running you know, department. Right. But we're always just blown away by what they're doing with technology. And, you know, project based learning is happening on the student side and not the teacher side. Mm -hmm. um, do you see that in, in a lot of your travels? Because I know you, you get to go to a lot of places. So are you seeing that happening in a lot of places? Well, I think that in most places that I go, kids learn with technology very differently outside of school than they do inside of school. Ah. And they're pursuing their own interests. I mean, you know, I, I use my son as an example. You know, you talk about my daughter. Well, my son, when he learned Minecraft, I mean, yeah, he didn't wait for a Minecraft workshop. You know, I mean, he didn't wait for someone to teach him or give him a textbook or a rubric or any of that stuff. He just went and figured it out. He went to YouTube. He got all his friends on a kind of a, you know, Google Hangout type of space and, and uh, just got in a Minecraft server and started hacking away at it. And um, I really do think that that's more of a model of, of modern learning than, you know, waiting for a workshop or a class or a textbook or whatever else. Doesn't mean that there isn't a really important role for a teacher. Um, absolutely. In fact, I think teachers' roles, to be honest with you, are even more important. Um, and uh, they're there to support, to nurture, to guide, to, and to model, um, and to you know be those learning experts in the classroom. Yeah. But um, yeah, most places, I mean, kids are leading the way, and that's okay. That's not a bad thing. This happens to be maybe the first time in history that the kids know more about something than the, than the adults do. Yeah. So it's 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 uncomfortable and it's kind of disruptive. But it's not a bad thing. We just have to change our stance. And if you look, again, at a classroom as a culture of learning versus a culture of teaching, I think you do that. You're all learners. So you as the adult are learning from the kids just like they're learning from you. And that's, that's the, the place that you want to be. 
you want to have enough expertise around learning so that you can, you know, help them make really good decisions and teach them those literacies and things like that. But um, yeah, if kid can teach you how to do uh, Minecraft or, uh, you know, do 3D printing or whatever else, why not? I mean, that's, that's the part of the, of the way we should think of our roles in the classroom. Yeah, I think so. An, an advanced facilitator, if you would, you know, just yep. to make sure you're leading them in the right I think, direction. You know, I, I, not that I have a problem with the word facilitator, but I really, I really like the word learner. I mean, and an master learner, an advanced learner. Yeah. You know, because it, that's what we have to be. We have to be experts at learning. Yes. We, you know, science, I mean, chemistry or Shakespeare, or all that stuff, that's everywhere. I, I don't need to send my kid to school to learn Shakespeare. Right. But I do need to send my kid to school to learn how to learn Shakespeare on his or her own if that's what she wants to do. You know, if that's what if that's what their need is at that particular moment, I want them to have, again, those dispositions, you know, that persistence, that inquiry type of attitude toward it, that, um, you know, uh, the literacies and all those skills. That's what the teacher's for now. You know, that you can't learn by looking it up or Googling it. Um, you, you, that's something that's, that's a development that, um, I think takes a long time to get really good at it's nuanced. Um, it's changing all that kind of stuff. And that's why teachers should be learners, um, and, and, uh, really good learners too, so that they can help kids. Yeah. So now I think what we need to do is create the master learning, uh, conference. Yeah. That's there you go. Yeah. I, I'm in. I'm, I'm all for it. That's <laughs> show up. <laughs> I, I used to love to go to, to everyone loves band camp. You know why? Cause this is just wide open ability to have, you know, open jam sessions and learn right. from all your peers. And yeah, it's right. just a wonderful thing. Well, Will, I want to thank you for uh, being on today with the EduTech Guys radio. I want to give one more shout out for your book, uh, From Master Teacher to Master Learner. It's on Amazon. Uh, you can get it Kindle and paperback. Check out Will's website at willrichardson.com. And uh, thanks again for, for coming to ISTE live. That's really cool that you're at ISTE and you're, we're live here getting to talk to you. So thanks again. Yeah. My pleasure. Take care. Awesome. Yes, sir. Hey, we're back. That was... Uh... Great interview yesterday from uh, with Will Richardson. Uh, he was at ISTE. Uh, I believe he was a keynote yesterday morning. I know he had a session. Um, wonderful, wonderful interview with him. Um, really interesting stuff we discussed there. Um, if you have some ideas on that or uh, you'd like to ask some questions and bring up a topic for us to discuss, please uh, hit us on Twitter at edutechguys, E-D-U-T-E-C-H-G-U-Y-S, um, or you can uh, hit us at radio.edutechguys.com, and on that site you'll see a chat window. Uh, you can chat us You can chat us up from there. And um, so, Greg, what do you think about that discussion? I think, uh, I think you brought up some excellent points. Uh, I remember, you know, I'm, I'm so, so infrequently in the field. I'm usually stuck in the server room, you know, watching the blinking lights to make sure they're blinking in the right order. Um, but it reminds me of, of one time I was out in, out in the field helping a teacher, trying, trying to get some, some software set up as it goes. Um, and at, some, at one point, she got a little frustrated. I will leave this individual nameless for, the, for their sake. Um, but at one point, she made the statement, uh, you know, I just, I just don't have time to learn this. And while I totally understand her perspective of, yeah, teachers are very, very busy, um, we, we load them down with a whole lot of responsibilities, that really, it, it kind of shocked me. It actually, it actually, 
I was speechless for a moment because this idea that a teacher, someone who is whose entire job is to, to, not to use the the the, the dreaded facilitate word, but the, whose entire job is to facilitate this attitude of learning, doesn't have this this attitude of approaching everything from a perspective. Oh yeah, I'll try learning this. And to 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 have that sort of disconnect there was just shocking to me. You know, I think that's his biggest, I think that's what he's trying to get across with his book, you know, from teacher to learner. And I think that's our biggest disconnect that we see in our job every day, exactly what you saw then and now we've seen um, replicated. Unfortunately, I, I don't know if it's fear from the teachers, the, the, the fear of having to learn something new, like, oh, I can't learn something new, and I'm, ne I'm never going to get this. Because, you know, there's that fine line, and when you try to learn something, but someone else knows more than you and you feel really embarrassed. Yeah. Like, like, okay, they still know more than I do and, and, and I'm losing my, 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 you know, ability my to be the, the position. Right, exactly. And, you know, it's, it's funny, funny that, that, that teachers would, would still have that whenever they, they have to see that in the classroom every day, you know, among their students. Uh, we're, we're, humans are humans no matter what age we are. We, we like that position. We don't want to feel stupid. And that's totally understandable. Um, uh, I agree. I agree 100. percent I think the interesting part that that I get from all of this is something that you say all the time: is that you know we provide all of this technology and all of this ability, and the key factor though happens to be: are the kids interested in it? Yes. Are they motivated? Yes. You know, and and I, I heard how he was talking about Minecraft, and you know that's a big deal: gamification, gamification. You know. I, I read a really great article that Facebook doesn't belong to us anymore. I think I said that in lunch today. Yes. Facebook doesn't belong to It never did belong to us. Facebook doesn't belong to you. It belongs to Facebook. They're using it to data mine you. I mean, they're using it to, you know. Yeah, what's, what's, the, what's that quote? Uh, if, you're, if you're not paying for something, you're the product. That's exactly right. If you're not paying for something, you're the product. That, that's exactly what we're Yeah. I think it's interesting, though, that the kids... They, they might be pros at Twitter and Snapchat and Facebook and Minecraft and all that good stuff, but that might be the extent of it. Mm. You know, that percentage of kids who actually understand, you know, what Minecraft is and what makes Minecraft Minecraft, what the coding behind it is, and you know, what makes Facebook Facebook. And if I wanted to modify this or I wanted to mine it for data, right? You know, could I do that? And and I. That's even scarier to a teacher. When you really get right down to it. Oh, yeah, exactly. It's like, I don't even understand the basic concept, much less how it works. Exactly. So how am I going to answer those questions? I think he's got a great point. And, and we, we, you and I were in a meeting today where we actually discussed the idea of, you know, changing the way our teachers are giving PD and are learning and what they're expected to learn. And then pass, and who's going to be their teacher or master learner to push it on down the road. Um, boy, it's, I think... I think in that, the problem at HISTI this year was, why is nothing changing? Yeah. I mean, and, and we're seeing that across technology, uh, across the world. I mean, we're all used to Facebook and Snapchat and Instagram and Google Plus and LinkedIn and Twitter. So what's new? I mean, how are we using it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. again, like you, like you said in the interview, that, that chase of the silver bullet where it's like, okay, we tried this and it didn't seem to work, so let's try the next thing. Well, a lot of the time is a that bullet might be just fine that we that we loaded into that particular chamber, but it's not something that's going to happen overnight, and it's also not something that 
you can you can attack just at a surface level where it's just like okay you can't just throw out minecraft and expect kids to learn like oh this is how you code because right. it, it it is a deep subject and yeah it's great to get interest in it so it's like okay here we're going to throw out minecraft or 3d printing or something because it's an accessible exciting technology that we can get interest in so you get engagement but you can't stop there because if you stop there that's the it's never going to be a useful life skill and that's all what education is all about because okay. i mean Okay, I learned how to 3D print in school. Well, I now work at, you know, Pizza Hut for my first job. And 3D printing's not a whole lot of help there. <laughs> well, not yet. Not yet. I'm going to get my first 3D printed pizza. Now we're talking. <laughs> then it's going to get crazy, I tell you. Um, i tell you what we're going to do real quick. Uh, we're going to take a little quick break. We're going to feature um, an artist, Nick Flora. Really great tune. Nobody gets out clean. Boy, isn't that the truth. Anyway, I'm... Uh, <laughs> Really wonderful song. Hope you like it. Greg and I are going to structure everything, reshuffle the deck, and we'll be back in approximately uh, five minutes.
Hey, that was Nick Flora. Uh, really great guy. If you don't know his music, definitely look him up on Spotify, Apple Music, all that kind of good stuff. Uh, that was his song, Nobody Gets Out Clean. He's a Nashville artist, uh, tours locally from Arkansas. So if you're looking for a local guy to listen to, he's the guy to listen to. Um, hey, we're back. This is uh, Jeff Madlock with Hope Public Schools. I'm the tech coordinator and my system administrator, Greg Moore. Hey. <laughs> Get the hay out of Greg. <laughs> um, uh, David Henderson's on vacation today. So uh, he's out this week uh, vacationing up. I think they're doing the beaches of Antarctica, which is a lot of fun. Um, but no, I'm serious. Uh, David's out there. Hey, David, if you're listening, I know you probably are. I hope you're having a great vacation. Yeah. Um, you missed our interview with uh, Will Richardson. Uh, great interview. Um, talking about disrupting education uh, with, with the technology and all that kind of good stuff and where we're moving forward, uh, making more learners out of our teachers. Um, if you want to hear it again, this uh, this whole episode will be back online by 4 o'clock, pretty much. Uh, it will be there for you to listen to anytime at your leisure here at radio.edutechguys.com. Uh, hey, we're going to take a quick look at tech news. Um, first thing, I guess, is Apple Music came out oh, yesterday. Oh, yeah, it came out yesterday. Oh, man. It's pretty sharp. I've, I've been using it exclusively yep. since yesterday. Uh, yep. I'm, I'm a Spotify user, mm. but um, I went ahead and said, hey, you know, I'm going to try it. It's free. Three months. You can yeah. try it out. That's, that's pretty amazing. You know, one month is amazing but three months for free to try it out exactly that's so what do you think about it i think it's great see you're coming at it from the perspective of you've been you've been in on the whole streaming for how long have you been using oh spotify now gosh two years probably something like that yeah, probably two years so you're coming in it to, into it from that perspective so you're comparing with uh streaming uh, a streaming service you're used to the whole idea of not necessarily owning all of your music as far as you have the files and they're yours um, I'm coming into it from the other side where I've been, you know, a hardcore, I own all the music, I'm just an iTunes guy, local on my machine, because I listen to a lot of weird stuff that isn't on Spotify. And he's not kidding. <laughs> he, he does listen to some weird stuff. Oh, so yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I looked at going into Spotify for a while and it's just like, I'm, I'm, I'm missing all of my artists that I listen to that, you know, all of 12 people in the rest of the world have ever heard of. Um, but I think uh, it, because you don't have to choose between, you know, am I just going to stream or am I just going to have a library of my own? I think it, it's got a major advantage there. Um, and, and the fact that you can still curate, that's, that's the thing. The fact that, okay, yes, I have access to the entire Apple Music iTunes store. I can pick any album. But you can add it, quote unquote, to your library. You can, you can flag it as part of my music. So you don't have to go, okay, I heard a really great song on the store somewhere and it's like ah, I can't remember where it was you can actually curate and have your own collection of lists and I think it's it's a good compromise I, I think so too I, that's the part that's really interesting to me I actually turned on family sharing so that the girls and I and my wife we all use iPhones and the girls are exclusive you know that's I'm hardcore iPhone users <laughs> and, and they spend a lot of money on music they buy their music too but now yep. there's no need to exactly you know we're gonna make out like bandits sorry that was a server rack uh, piece that just fell <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, they're gonna we're gonna make outlet bandits. Exactly. And, and the other cool part is, um, you know, with family sharing, all the apps that any of us buy, we then share. It's, right. I guess Apple's tired of making money. I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're, you're talking about making out like bandits. Yeah, uh, coming from the perspective of someone who who's purchased music, I was I was curious. I was like, okay, after this three month trial is over. Do I want to keep going with Apple Music? How much am I going to actually spend? Will I actually wind up saving money? Will I wind up, you know, spending more money? So uh, iTunes has had this great thing forever called smart playlists. Um, whereas a normal playlist, you know, you drag songs into the playlist and you've got a, a manual created list that way. With smart playlists, you can set up rules. Um, 
and any songs that match that rule, they get automatically added to the smart playlist. So I was like, okay, I love smart playlists. I bet I can solve this problem of finding out how much money I've spent over the last year with a smart playlist. So I go over to the smart playlist and I pick some rules and I go, okay, if if it's a, a purchased song, anything you buy through the iTunes store, it's flagged as purchased in your library. So it's like, okay, yes. If purchased is true, and if date added to library is in the last 12 months, go ahead and add it to this smart playlist. I'm like, okay, how many, how many am I gonna show up with here? And turns out over the last year or so, I've bought 35 albums. I was- Holy smoke. <laughs> I was shocked. I was like, I can't believe I bought that many. There's no way. And so like at roughly $12 an album or whatever, that comes out to like 400 some odd dollars I've spent in the last year just on music. Um, so you're definitely making out like exactly, a Exactly, yeah, $10 a month for you know the entire iTunes library, you know, 120 bucks a year, I'm saving like 300 and something dollars. Yeah, and what's cool is, is you know, you can download it to your device. You yeah. can take it offline. So yeah. this isn't just streaming. This is, yeah, I want these tunes on my device. So. Yes. It's the same thing. As long as you're a member, as long as you're paying your ten bucks a month or fifteen as a family For family plan, yeah. Then yeah, you've got it on all your devices. So segueing into it, we wanted to throw that out there about music. Does it have a lot to do with education? We, yes, it does. <laughs> because we listen to a lot of music in education. <laughs> uh, iOS nine dropped another beta today. Yep. Um, a lot of benefits coming for us. Oh gosh, yeah, man. The the biggest one. The one we, the one that I've had my fingers crossed for since like iOS four came out, and they just started, they started rolling out features for enterprise. Um, iOS nine, <clears throat> you can finally push apps to a device, not to a user account, not to an Apple ID. That's the big one. Um, ever since we started our one to one program here, our our biggest our biggest holdback, the 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 biggest source of friction for for using the devices more than just what comes with it, more than just a web browser, more than just email, more than just a calendar and a calculator and that sort of thing is you gotta get apps on it. Um, but in order to get an app on an on a iPad, you have to have an Apple ID on there. Obviously the correct way to do it is every kid has their own Apple ID because that's the way Apple designed it. In education, that's really hard to do <laughs> because some of your some of your your uh, your users are, you know, well, obviously, we're not going from kindergarten up with Apple IDs, but first grade, second grade, third grade. I mean, you don't want to walk all your students through creating an Apple ID um, because it would just be an absolute nightmare. There's no way There's no way that we could expect teachers to, to wrangle a classroom of 20-some-odd kids through the process of creating an Apple ID. Right. Um, <sighs> and, you know, and for a while, we thought, well, maybe we can, maybe we can script the creation of Apple IDs. And so we, tr we went down that path for a while. Um, and it's just it, it it was it was a hack. It wasn't super reliable, and it was it was it was it was just a, it was a bugbear. It was there there wasn't a good solid solution for getting an Apple ID per kid across the board. There was always one students who were missing Apple IDs who didn't get in the list, and it, getting apps on the devices has been a problem. Um, and so now with iOS nine, the big feature is you no longer have to have an Apple ID. For the student to get an app on the device, you can push an app to a device rather than pushing an app to an Apple ID, and that's that's the big one. Um, and there's a bunch of other stuff that's coming in iOS nine. Let me look at my notes here. You know, the, I think, but the biggest one I think for us is that. I yes, mean, absolutely. I mean, uh, is so is iOS nine going to give us the uh, dual application, the, the dual? It will get that at the high school level because we've got well. 
So oh, I, it's it's based on the hardware, isn't it? It's based on well, it's partially based on the hardware. So there's two different modes that the the dual application thing works in. Um, one mode is you can do a slide over, where and in a slide over mode you can you can roll one app over the top of the other, but only one app is active at any one time. So on lower end hardware, something previous to an iPad Air 2, the latest stuff from Apple, you can do a slide over, but both apps aren't active at the same time. Okay. Um, but with an iPad Air 2, you get actual real, actual factual multitasking where both apps are active at the same time. You don't have to click on one and it goes active and then click on the other and it goes active. Will that differentiation between the two actually matter? I don't know. We'll have to. I haven't actually had a chance to play around with the beta just yet, so we'll, we'll find out. We'll, we'll find out. You know, once we get a chance to play with it. <laughs> so yeah, we'll get off of this the Apple stuff. I know you guys don't want to hear about that. <laughs> so let's talk about the Surface. <laughs> uh, let me see. I'm sure we got somebody around here who knows something about the Surface. So um, actually, let's jump ahead. <laughs> Sorry, the cricket had stepped out of the booth for a second to discuss the Surface. Oh, but that's mean. We're being obnoxious. Um, one thing we do want to talk about is the leap second from last night. Uh, oh, man. June um, had uh, 31, uh, 30 days and one second. And one second, yes. Um, uh, so it did cause some issues. The, the micro Y2K. The yeah. teeny tiny Y2K. It, it lasted maybe a minute total. But it, the, the country hardest hit, I think 50% of the problems were in uh, Brazil. Brazil, Brazil yeah. had the biggest hit. Um, it was, uh, what was it? It was... Uh, I forgot that. I forgot the, route, the routing had issues with routing, so the the routing tables, uh, the the routers got freaked out across the internet. Some of them were were okay with the leap second, some of them weren't, and so you had this massive update of routing tables across the internet, and so there was a huge spike um, in lag times as all the routers uh, tried to tried to get back on the same page. With the, it's it's funny how the internet is growing, and it's it's it's. Such such little things. One extra second. One extra second can cause that much trouble. Exactly. So you can guess what uh, one extra minute would do. <laughs> one extra minute would, you know, think about it. So if one extra second caused a minute's worth of trouble, well, you can guess. You can start kind oh, of gosh. running your theories there. I said we weren't going to go back to Apple, but um, I forgot we had on our list uh, the Apple Plus Care battery replacement. Oh, yes. That's another big bonus. Um, so... With Apple Care Plus, um, it used to be if if the battery on your device fell below 50% life, um, if it only held 50% of the charge from uh, from a new one, Apple would replace the battery at that point. Um, but Apple updated the Apple Care Plus uh, terms of terms of agreement. So now, anytime within that that three year span that Apple Care Plus gives you of uh, support, if your device whether it be a Mac or whether it be an iOS device, if it falls below 80% life, they will replace the battery in your device, um, which is huge because uh, I use I put my my poor MacBook through a fair number of cycles. I think last time I checked the number of cycles I put on my on my battery on my MacBook, I think I'd put something like 780 some odd cycles. So that's how many times wow. it's been discharged and charged again um, over the lifetime of my device, and I'm at 79% battery. So if we had invested in Apple Care Plus, I'm kicking myself now, um, I could actually get a brand new battery and I would, uh, I would gain another 20% battery life for free. I mean, that's, that's huge. That's ridiculously huge. Especially since the, you know, everybody, Android users and uh, 
and Windows laptop fans and that sort of thing will give Apple a hard time because none of their batteries are user replaceable. They're all integrated into the cases. Most of the time, they're actually glued in. If you've ever gone to iFixit.com and you watch one of their teardowns, which is great, I love anytime a new device comes out, it's like go to iFixit and see how did they put it together. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things. I agree. Um, all the batteries are usually glued in at this point, and it can actually be dangerous to to remove them as an end user because if you if you kink it you can actually cause the uh, a runaway chemical reaction and the battery can burst into flames. Oh, that's not good. So yeah, not something you want to do is, you know, just average Joe Blow who doesn't know what he's doing. So the fact that now Apple will replace it if you've lost 20% of the life of the battery, that's that's just fantastic. Yeah, that's really great. Um, sorry, I was... I was D David Henderson actually was texting me saying he might Skype in in a second. So if David finds some time to Skype in, that would be great. We have... We're, we're actually probably going to wrap the show up here. One thing I do want to talk about is I always try to throw a Google feature out there while we're, we're on the air. Um, one that I found this week that really shocked me, it didn't shock me, I think I knew it was there, I just had never used it, um, was inside Google Docs. Um, if you go to the tools menu and you choose research. Oh yeah, research is awesome. Research is ridiculously awesome. It looks like a search engine. Uh, but the beautiful part of it is, is that as a search engine, it gives you the ability to do something that I think is really amazing. So say we click research and on the right hand side of the screen, a research window comes up. So I'll do a search for Hoover Dam and it immediately brings up a map to Hoover Dam, which I can actually insert into my document. Right, one button. Uh, I can edit it if I want to, so I could actually blow it up and get a satellite view or whatever I right, wanted yeah. from, Google, from Google Maps. What's great is when you go down to the web results, um, it has links. Like the very first one is the Hoover Dam uh, Bureau of Reclamation. So what's really interesting about that is I could therefore use that and I could actually preview what it looks like inside the docs. Mm. I could insert the link there, which is great if right. you're turning it in you know, via Google Classroom or something like that for a teacher to check online. Right. But the beautiful part is the site option. Oh, that is so great. So at that point, I could write a whole paragraph, cite it, and, and it puts the one or the two or the little three right out beside the, the paragraph. But the interesting part is at the bottom of the page. Automatically formats it. You've got all of your your your, your citations down there. Man, I wish I had that in college. Oh, man, I wish I had that, period. <laughs> I mean, back in, 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 in high school in 1987, man, you know, so, and now you know how old I am. <laughs> um, uh, but, you know, it's interesting. I, I think that that's, it just makes the job that much easier. Mm. It's funny. It goes back to what Will Richardson said, um, that... And and I and not that I'm saying he doesn't know what he's talking about because the guy's very intelligent. Yeah, obviously. But he made a statement that you can't you you know you can't learn certain things math and reading and and I agree with that. There, from are, there are some things, yeah, but there's a huge amount that you can learn from Google. And I agree. I think that we're teaching our children mm -hmm. K through six, you know, the ability to to prep them to use Google to use the web because man it, it, there's a, we encounter it every day I think I don't think there's a single day that goes by that I don't look up something related to my job in Google or it's like okay I encountered this error or that error I've never seen that error before but I know someone else on the internet has <laughs> that's exactly right well it, it, I, I Google is how I do my job exactly I mean it's 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 how I use it and it's funny what how power users we become you know, using search. Oh yeah, there's. It is definitely an art form, and I think that's something that 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 we're missing. Uh, no, there is no class where it's like, okay, here's how you're going to, here's how you use Google, um, and with our something that we see 
quite often because our, our firewall actually logs the Google searches. We, it's a very, uh, we use an IBOS firewall, and it shows us the Google searches that our students have performed during the day. And so you can actually see how they're structured in their queries. And so often we see it's just like direct copy paste from, uh, from, from an assignment. Like you, you can tell it's a, it's a phrase that a teacher or a textbook put together and they just copied it out and pasted it into Google. Well, anyone who's, who's used Google for a fair amount of time knows that's not the best way to structure a search query. Um, and so I think the fact that that is sort of, a, uh, of an art that's just, it's not taught, you just have to sort of pick it up somewhere. I think that's that's a, that's an opportunity we're missing. Is okay. Here's how you actually use Google. You think you know how to use it because it's part of everyday life at this point, but you could get so much better results if you just knew what to cut out of your search query. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, and sorry, I'm, I'm I'm trying to keep stuff running. Greg's doing a great talk, job of talking. <laughs> Normally, to, it's it's me that you can't shut up. So, <laughs> not to Greg. Greg's spot on. Um, you know, I just had a, a quick chat message. Um, that was about uh, about iOS nine from a business user that said that you know oh that's cool that I could start but we have a lot of iOS devices I can start pushing oh, yes. apps by device. What was the piece? You know me and my brain at Jamf they released this year the free piece that's like a it's like a an entry level version of of JSS. Oh uh, yeah. Do you remember the name of that? <sighs> it was an Acorn. No, it wasn't. A, it was like a nut or a tree. Was it B or, or something mm, like that? Now, oh, now, see, now you put me on the spot. I'm sorry. Now, that, now we need to pull out Google and create a search query. Let's yeah. structure it well. Come on, ladies and gentlemen. Jamf business. Somebody in the audience right now is. Somebody help me out here. Come somebody on. in the audience right now is screaming. It's such and such. Oh, now see, now see, we're gonna look like silly people. So to uh, to Nathan, who's out there, who asked that question. Um, hey, we'll find the answer out to that because. It, um, the, the reason I say that, it, it's a free piece from, from Jamf Software. If you want to take a look at their website, I highly recommend going to Jamf Software, J-A-M-F-S-O-F-T-W-A-R-E.com. There it is. What's it called? Fourth, I, fourth item down in a Google search, Bushel. Bushel. Yes. And it's spelled B-U-S-H-E-L. Yep, Bushel.com. Bushel.com. Take a look at it. You'll find that as a free product, if I'm not mistaken, uh, is it free product? It is a free product. It does have a limited feature set when compared to the full Jamf suite. So, but something to, to kind of get your feet wet out there oh, using yeah. JSS, um, using Jamf software, just using an MDM period. Bushel.com, B-U-S-H-E-L.com. Take a look at it, especially if you're listening to us from a business end. You might enjoy that, or if you're a, maybe a lab teacher who has a lab set of, of, of iPads that you're using in right, their or, in their or a your cart or whatever, or a, a cart. small a small set that's not deployed already with an MDM across the district. You'll probably really enjoy that. Yeah. Um, uh, so I, th I think we're getting close to wrapping up here. I think we've covered we've covered a <laughs> decent number of topics. Any more and we're just going to get into topic with Flash. Um, uh, so uh, one more question came in. Uh, I'd like to give a shout out to Harry Dickens. Harry, I know you're listening out there. Thanks for listening to us today. Um, today we had Will Richardson. Uh, he was a keynote speaker at ISTE this year. And um, he came to talk to us about his new book and to talk to us about what he was doing at ISTE and how it went for him. Um, great interview. Um, we'll be putting this entire episode back online within the next five to ten minutes. So if you want to catch back and listen back to that again, highly recommend Will's interview. It was a good about 20 minutes, and uh, we had a really great talk, and he shared some great stuff with us. Um, you're listening to radio.edutechguys.com. 
We're on every Wednesday at 3 p.m. throughout the summer. Um, maybe more in the winter, maybe not. Who knows? We'll see what happens <laughs> to us. Um, I want to give a shout-out to David Henderson, who's not here with us today. He's on vacation. And um, all the gang out there, um, I'm Jeff Madlock. I'm Greg Moore. And we'd like to thank you for being with us today. See you guys Have, next time. Bye-bye. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master's schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out My Flex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com forward slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com forward slash BE. Do you want to save time on prep work? Increase achievement for all student populations? Reliably meet tier one standards? You, you can, can do, do it, it all, all. But don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.